Today we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and if you have your Bibles, why don't we open up together there. As we continue our journey through 1 Corinthians, uh, today we're going to cover uh, some pretty crazy things. Uh, in verses 1 through 4, we're going to see Christian carnality. And it might sound like an oxymoron, but believe it or not, it is possible to be a Christian and, and yet at the same time to at times walk in the flesh. And so we've got to guard ourselves against that. We're going to see that in verses 1 through 4. And then in verses 5 through 17, we're going to talk about Christian ministry. And uh, we're going to learn a lot of things. That's such a rich section of Scripture, but it's so important for us to understand what the Bible says, the who, the how, and the where. And then we'll close today in verses 18 through 23 with Christian reality. And so uh, beginning in verse 1, Paul is writing and he says, I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal, behaving like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? In looking at our text, we see, first of all, in verse 1, that Paul addresses them as brethren. And so we know he's writing to Christians. But even though they're Christians, he couldn't speak to them as to people who were very spiritual he couldn't speak to them as people who were like walking in the spirit. He had to speak to them as Christians who were carnal, more along the lines of walking in the flesh. And, and basically what we find is that these brethren were still babes in Christ. Their carnality meant their immaturity. You know, and so, you know, for us, we have to think about this. I know we have the physical illustration. Imagine, you know, you have... Uh, a 30-year-old man, and he can't eat solid food. He can't eat meat. He's still sucking on a bottle. Sometimes that happens in the church. Now, Paul had planted the church probably about A.D. 52. And so this is about five years later. This is now writing in A.D. 57. He's writing from Ephesus. And so in five years, he was expecting them to have grown in their faith, but they hadn't. They were still infants. There was still that a carnality, that, that immaturity. And what we find is that these brethren were basically babies in Christ. And so for us, it's a lesson uh, to learn. You know, what we find, I know for us in Almani, we like to hear, you know, the word carnal. We think it's a positive word, right? Carnal, como estas? But, but here in Corinth, understand, it wasn't a good thing. Uh, the Greek word, it speaks of our fallen flesh, our broken bodies, our rebellious nature, we all have it. We all have the rebellious nature. If we were just left to ourselves, we would be like the dogs on the streets. There, there's something different uh, about us that we have to understand is broken. Remember when Adam and Eve ate of the forbidden fruit in the beginning? In Genesis chapter 3, you read about it. And that's when sin entered the world. But it didn't just enter the world in some vague, ambiguous way. Sin entered into me. It entered into us, Right? Prior to that, they were kind of like perfect people, but ever since then, on this side of time, we're stuck with that sinful nature. Uh, sometimes in doctrinal circles, it's referred to as the depravity of man. And so we have that, that part of us that has a tendency to do evil, 
right? It's kind of like your cars. If your car ever goes out of whack, out of alignment, then it'll veer off to the right or veer off to the left. It doesn't just go straight, right? And so us, even Christians, yes, even us, left to ourselves, will be driven by our own desires, will be governed by our own human nature. And what we'll find is that you and I, eventually, we're going to crash, you know, you, you do your own thing. You know, you follow your own plan. You think you're going to be okay. You got it all figured out. You don't need God. You don't need to submit to His will or His Spirit or His Word. Uh, I'm telling you, and I'm not a prophet. I'm telling you, one day, my friend, you will crash. And unless you get right, you know, you might end up in a place, you know, in which you're separated from the presence of God forever and ever and ever. Because we have to understand uh, uh, the way that life is. Really, there's three types of people in the world uh, here in 1 Corinthians 2.14, notice again what we read uh, last time. Paul says in verse 14, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. And so there's three types of people. One is a natural man. He cannot know the things of God. You take him to a Bible study, homeboy is not interested in the least of it. He does not even want to be there. You know, he doesn't understand spiritual things. Why? Because he's not saved. He's just a natural man. But then, you know, one day, hopefully, that individual does come to Christ. There's another category of people in the world, and it's the carnal man, the, even the carnal Christian. Now, the carnal Christian can understand some spiritual things, but not the deep things of God. What we find right here is they only understand the milk. Uh, they don't you know, eat solid food. They don't eat meat. They never really grow up to be a strong Christian. They're immature. They're in and out. They're inconsistent. They're not really, they kind of got one foot in and one foot out. You know, thank God they're, they're saved. But what we find is that there are many, and I would have to say, and I think if you guys were honest, when you look at the church across the United States of America, that most of the church is carnal. You know, imagine what would happen to our church if every single individual decided to grow up, decided to say, you know what, I throw in the white towel, I, I raise that flag, I surrender to the lordship of Jesus Christ. I will pray like I'm supposed to pray. I will, I will give like I'm supposed to give. I will read my Bible well, the way I'm supposed to read my Bible and, and, and live it and, and learn it. And I will read it with my wife and I will read it with my kids. I will be a Christian man strong. Imagine what would happen to our church if everyone yielded to the Lord that way. You know, in one sense, you know, I know like today there's a big uh, uh, interest in like the Avengers and we like to go see, you know, those movies. Uh, some of you guys might be familiar with Iron Man. Imagine how different it is if he's just himself or if he's got the suit on, right? There's a big difference. Even Spider-Man, I think, if I'm not mistaken, right? You know, just him uh, or with the suit on. Let me ask you a question. You know, it, what happens if it's just you? If it's just you, then understand it's just natural. Not much is going to happen. But when you're suited up with the, with the armor of God, when you're walking in the spirit of God, you know, it's kind of like X-Men. I mean, we used to just be men, but now we're much more. We are partakers of the divine nature. But every day, you and I have to make a choice. You know, some cars nowadays, any of you here have a hybrid 
car out of curiosity. I want one of those. Can I have yours? You know, but the, I, I don't know how it works, for, to be honest with you. I'm not really sure, but I guess you can make an adjustment. Either you're, you know, running on gas or you're running on electricity or whatever, however, the battery. I mean, in one sense, that's the way it is for us every single day of our life. You know, you're walking in the flesh or you're walking in the spirit. And that's the, the reality of what was going on in Corinth. They, they were carnal. We have to know, though, it doesn't have to be that way because we're Christians with the Word of God and the Spirit of God, and therefore we have access to the power of God to rule over that rebellious part of us that wants to drive their own way. And it's basically, however, a choice that we have to make every single day. You see, when someone's walking in the flesh... You know, it's obvious, you know, to the people especially who know them best, but you be around them for a little bit and you can kind of tell there's no power there. There's no deep spiritual life going on right here. There's probably, they're probably not having any devotion life. They're not really seeking God. They don't get on their knees. They don't really pray. You can, it's just obvious. Here, Paul, it was obvious for him in verse 3, he says, For you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? See, we don't want to just be mere men. I mean, we're X-men. We want to be, you know, Christians who walk under the power of God, right? We want to be more than that. Second Peter, again, 1.4, tells us that we are partakers of the divine nature you know, I was even thinking about Samson, and you guys, uh, you know, you read about his story in Judges 13 all the way, I think all the way 16, right around there. And this guy had supernatural strength. Uh, we usually visualize him as some big buff guy. Who knows, maybe he was real skinny and small. We don't know, right? The bottom line is because he, it wasn't his strength. It was God's strength, right? And it's interesting, though, when you study the whole thing, he ended up losing that strength. He ended up losing it. Why? Because of some girl that was not a believer that he let into his life. You know, and Delilah, you guys remember the whole story. I mean, Samson, what a fool he was. You know, she's all, you know, why won't you tell me, you know, the secret of your strength? And so, you know, she's going back and forth with him. And he eventually, you know, he tells her, well, if they use these a certain amount of uh, fresh bowstrings, then I will be just like any other man. And then, you know, it was a trick. And then he asked, she asked him again, if they just use fresh rope that's never been used, I will be like any other man. You know, and then he's playing those games. He's getting to the edge. Eventually, he mentions his hair because his hair was, uh, was connected with his faith. And he told her that. And what ended up happening, you guys know the story. They, they cut his hair. They gouged out his eyes. They bound him. And he spent the rest of his life grinding in a mill. Why? He ended up with just the strength of a man. Just a man. Just a human man. Just us. And you might be here today and you think, well, I'm strong morally and physically. And I have character and I have integrity. That's fine. You might be better than some of the other guys. But if it's just you, if it's just me... We will fail. God has given us access to his power. And so we have to make that decision. What we find right here in Corinth, there was so much carnality because they were walking in their own strength. 
you know, it's obvious, and you're going to see things manifest their ugly heads. Here in verse 3, he mentions envy, strife, and divisions among them. That can happen in a church. That can happen in your house. Where there's this constant arguing, debates, divisions, confusions. That's just because you guys, there's no, they're not walking in this spirit. And now, now the interesting thing about this context, though, the word envy in the Greek is the word zelos. We get our word zealous from this Greek word. And what we find in the context of Corinthians is that these guys were zealous for men. They were zealous for men, and therefore they started dividing and debating, and there was the divisions among them. You know, we have to be so careful that we don't ever get zealous for men. You know, I remember reading in the book of Numbers, chapter 11, and, you know, Moses had been going through a lot. He needed some help, and so God said, okay, I'm going to take some of the spirit off of you, or that same spirit, I'm going to give it to some of the other guys. And so, you know, fast forward in Numbers chapter 11, they're there, and they got the group of guys over here, and they're prophesying, and it's a really cool work that God's doing. But then there's a couple other guys on the other side of the camp that are also prophesying, and they're not over here with this group. And so Joshua comes up to Moses, he says, Moses, my Lord, forbid them. They're not supposed to be doing that. And you know what Moses said? Moses told Joshua, you're zealous for me? Oh, I wish that everyone prophesied. See, we have to be so careful that we don't get zealous for men. What we're going to learn in today's study is that we must be zealous for Jesus. You guys, he'll never fail you. He'll always be there for you. He will strengthen you. And, you know, men, thank God for my brothers and my sisters and my spiritual leaders in life, but they were not ever meant to be God to me. And so we're going to see that today there in Corinth. At the end of the day, they started kind of buying into the mentality of the world that said you have to organize into groups and you have to divide and follow men. And and then, you know, God is just going to say today as we go through our study, that's not what I want you see, their division was a manifestation of their spiritual condition. And as a result of that, it just kind of was a vicious cycle and it stunted their growth. You know, I mean, when you look at it, you might wonder, well, what's Paul speaking about right here when he says, I could not speak to you as to spiritual people? What, he, what he's talking about right here is he couldn't teach them the Bible. Again, look at verse 2. I fed you. With milk. Now, when a pastor feeds people, he's feeding them the word, right? And so he's talking about Bible studies right here. He's talking about teaching. I fed you with milk and not with solid food for until now you're, you're not able to receive it and you're still not able. You see, as Christian parents and, and pastors and peers, you know, we're to feed the flock the word of God. And as you guys get into the Word of God and the Word of God gets into you, you will grow to be strong. Your marriage will be different. Your home life will be different. You know, your emotions will be under control. You will be strong when you're fed the Word of God, but not just the milk, as you start getting into the meat. You start reading your whole Bible. I encourage you, read from Genesis to Revelation. You know, don't think, well, I'm going to skip Leviticus because there's a bunch of sacrifices there. Every single one of them points to Jesus. 
I mean, ask yourself, and I'm going to ask you guys to really search your heart. Are you walking in the Spirit? Or are you walking in the flesh? Are you being fed the, the, the meat of the Word? Are you getting into it? Do you have a desire for it? And that's one of the things I love about Colombia is anytime, every time we would meet, we had meat. That's why I like about Colombia, man. They have a lot of meat there. For lunch, we'd have just, you know, this. And so the same thing, though, I think spiritually speaking, this is what we want. When we're young in the Lord, it starts with milk, right? First Peter 2, 2 through 3. It says, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, right? And so it starts with milk, but then it's supposed to move on to meat. And we've talked about this already, but if you haven't already uh, made a notation, Hebrews five ten through 14, you know, these guys were going backwards. These guys were neglecting their salvation. These guys were drifting away. And Paul, or whoever wrote Hebrews, he told them, by now you should be teachers, but I need to teach you the ABCs of what it means to be a Christian all over again because they were going backwards. I think one of the best ways to keep ourselves from going backwards is to grow forward. And that's what we need. You see, the the epidemic in the church today, in my opinion, is Christian carnality. Christians are are worldly, and we all have to search our hearts. We need to be careful. Uh, One of the things that I think that has penetrated the church is we have this obsession with human heroes. You know, and we put them up on a pedestal, and it could be a Marvel character, it could be a musician, you know, it could be a politician, it could be a theologian. Uh, for whatever reason, sometimes people follow actors and actresses or athletes. No, you guys, be so careful. We need to be so careful, even in the church, you know, that we really just set it just clear-cut, concrete in our heart that we follow, I follow, I worship, my God is Jesus and only him. You know, even in the church, you know, here we're part of the body at Calvary Chapel. This is what we believe. This is what I'm called. This is where I'm called. But Christians need to keep in mind that our identification is never to be in any sort of denomination. You are a Christian. You are a follower of Christ. May we never forget that. See, these guys right here, they were getting caught up in, in that carnality. And, and we learn a lot of lessons about that. But then we learn a lot about ministry. In, in verse 5, Paul asks, who, who then is Paul? And who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believed. As the Lord gave to each one. I, I planted, Apollos watered. But God gave the increase. So neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. And I think it's important for us to know about Christian carnality. Um, If you're here and you're carnal, you will always be weak. Weak for the rest of your life. We need to know this. It's possible to be a Christian and be carnal. But then secondly, what about ministry? Like, how does it all work? Where do we learn ministry? Do we learn it from our church? 
not necessarily we, we learn it from the Bible. What does the Bible say? You know, what about, about Paul? What about Apollos? What, what are they? And right here, you know, he just says, we're just ministers. That's all we are. Now, someone might think of the title minister and they might give it some nobility. But in all reality, uh, all a minister is, is a servant. It's one who executes the commands of another. Literally, in the Greek language, it's speaking of someone who runs errands. And what we do is we run errands, we serve God, and we serve his people. The minister, and sometimes you can go to a church and they're weird. The minister is not to be served. He's not to be worshipped. He's not to be idolized. As a matter of fact, we learn ministry the exact opposite. A lot of times these guys want to be worshipped, and that's the opposite of our objective. The call for all of us is to worship God. You see, Paul was a vessel through whom they believed. He planted the church, and we read that in Acts chapter 18. And he was there probably for about 18 months. But you guys know Paul's ministry was a little different. He didn't usually stay there. He would plant churches, and eventually he moved on, right? And so after Paul left, Apollos came to Corinth. And what we read right here is he watered the church, Now, you guys know oftentimes in the Bible that water is in reference to the word, right? So Paul uh, planted it, Apollos came, and he had a really successful teaching ministry. Something I thought that we should read about, if you would, go to Acts chapter 18. And you kind of see the story here. And, And you can maybe understand maybe their temptation to exalt men. In verse 24 of Acts 18, it says, Now a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And so here's a guy, he's coming from Alexandria. This is where all the the smart people were from. He was very eloquent. He knew the Old Testament well. And so here he is, he's preaching with fervency of spirit. He's preaching passionately. He's this very gifted orator, right? And so as uh, they're there in Ephesus, Aquila and Priscilla, they see him and they hear him and they realize this guy doesn't know about Jesus. He knows about John, but not Jesus. And so they pull him aside and this guy is humble enough to receive the message. You know, and next thing you know, this guy is equipped now with all this Old Testament knowledge, realizing now it's all pointing to Jesus And now this guy is equipped to go to Corinth. And that's exactly what ends up happening. In verse 27, it says, And when he desired to cross to Achaia, that's the region of Corinth, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped. That's that's cool, huh? He greatly helped those who had believed through grace For he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. And it happened, it says in chapter 19, verse 1, while Apollos was at Corinth. And so, 
You know, you, you see what happened. Paul started the church. Apollos, gifted, eloquent, smart. He comes in with this amazing teaching ministry. And, and so now, the, for whatever reason, the people in Corinth think, well, we have to make a choice. And what we're going to see as we go through our study today, unfortunately, is they started building upon men. And what that was in Corinth was that was actually a sign of carnality. You know, when you read about this story right here, we need to go back to what the Bible teaches when it comes to ministry. Who then is Paul and who is Apollos? They're, they're ministers, right? I mean, uh, Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then, here's the conclusion, neither he who plants or waters is anything. I mean, we're, we're nothing. And we saw that in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. God's chosen the weak things of the world, the foolish things of the world, the things which are not, the things which don't exist, the guys that if left to themselves, they would be mean to you. The guys that if left to themselves, they would, they would stab you in the back. They would not have, you know, the, the good ministry for you. Why would we exalt men? What he's trying to say here is, no, that's not the way it works. Paul was just a vessel through whom they believed. You know, and, and, and Apollos was one through whom they grow, grew, but it was God who gave the increase. You know, we really have to think this one through. Neither he who plants or waters is anything. And, and for us, it's kind of cool because then it just comes back to, to it's all about God. It's all about God who gives life to the seed and fruit to the field, Right? I was thinking about how this morning I had a blueberries for breakfast. Any of you guys here like blueberries? They say that they're superfood or something like that, man. And uh, so I had, you know, blueberries, strawberries, bananas. I like to have fruit in the morning. I had so many blueberries. My, my daughter said I blew it uh, this morning. She, it was just uh, a lot of blueberries <laughs> anyways. You know, I mean, when you think about the blueberry, though, you know, I could plant it, the, a seed in the ground, and, and, and it's not too hard. I'd dig a hole, drop the seed, cover it up, something I learned at Stanford University and when I was there. And so, you know, but seriously, I mean, how hard is it to plant a seed? Seriously, I mean, you think about it, right? And then someone comes along and they water it. Sometimes it's as easy as turning on a spigot or maybe pushing the button for the sprinklers. But, but, but when the blueberries come up, I mean, you ask yourself, are we the ones who made the seed? Are the we, we the ones who gave it life? Are, are we the ones who formed the fruit? Absolutely not. It was God. And, and that's what he's trying to say here. You guys, we love everyone. Don't get me wrong. And we do esteem our spiritual leaders you know, but there's an infinite difference between fixing our eyes on mortals who then become idols and fixing our eyes on Jesus Christ, who was nailed to a cross for you, who died for you. The Bible says that in Hebrews 12, verse 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus because he is the author and finisher of our faith. And so what we find right here is it's okay maybe to glance at these guys, but we have to gaze on God. In John 15, 5, Jesus speaking in the context of fruit, he said, without me, you can do nothing. Psalm 127 and verse 1, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. 
You know, there's an infinite difference between God and men. And what I want to encourage you guys, myself, I, I love my, my brothers, my pastors. I, I love these guys. But my eyes are on the Lord. And your eyes need to be on the Lord too. Because then you're going to grow. You're going to grow. You're going to be strong. And that's what Paul is trying to share here. And very important truths when it comes to ministry Verse 8 again, Now he who plants and he who waters are are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, you are God's building. And so kind of cool, in looking at ministry, you kind of need to first of all identify like who's who, you know, and then we're just vessels, we're just fellow workers, we're nothing apart from God. You know, and then the church is, the, is God's field. The church is, is God's building. Right here in verse 8, it says, Now he who plants and he who waters, they're one. You know, when it comes to the ministry, ultimately there is that unity that's uh, indivisible. At the end of the day, there's only one church in the whole wide world in all of time. Did you guys know that? And so it's important for us to maintain that unity. Even though there's diversity and there's, you know, individual responsibility, we need to know these things. You know, we're just God's fellow workers, and I think it's a privilege that, to be that. You know how we're working with God, so to speak, and that He's working with us. That's why Matthew twenty-eight, nineteen through twenty, is often referred to as the co-mission. Right? We're doing this with God. Mark sixteen twenty it says, And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them. And Jesus only gave us two commands. He said, Come and go. And when you go, you're not alone. That's all that matters. I can go and I can plant the seed. I can go and I can share the gospel with someone. And then God will give them life. That's what we're called to do. It's so cool when you look at ministry and you just kind of know, well, who's who? The congregation is God's field for fruit and the congregation is also God's building. And now when he talks about the building, we're like, well, what's the building for? The building is for God to live in. And so it's really cool when you, when you realize these things, right? We learn more about ministry. In verse 10, Paul says, according to the grace of God which was given to me, as a wise master builder. And in the Greek language, this, work right, this word right here is architectone, where we get our word architect. And so, you know, Paul, this is this wise master builder, this spiritual architect. I have laid the foundation and another builds on it, but let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it. Now, in my Bible, the word day is as a capital D. How about in yours? Probably a lot of them, right? And what that's talking about is this special day, right? It, it will declare it because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. And if anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. And then Paul mentions this phrase he does ten times in 1 Corinthians, Do you not know 
that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. And, and we learn about Christian carnality. We learn now about Christian ministry as he moves from agriculture to architecture, from the work of a farmer to the work of a builder. You know, and I think it's interesting, even the fact that he uses the word if, right? Look at verse 12. Now, if anyone builds. Have you guys noticed in the church that not everyone is working? Have you guys noticed that? I mean, there's a lot of uh, needs in the church. As a matter of fact, I want to encourage you, if the Lord's been tugging on your heart to get involved, you know, uh, stop resisting the Holy Spirit because, man, we're suffering. The Thursday night, there was no one in the nursery. And so imagine, and this has never happened, and I was just so devastated. It's never happened to us. You know, someone comes, they want to come to church service to take their kid to the classroom, and there's no one there to serve. And so we believe that where God guides, God provides. And so if he doesn't want a nursery, then that's okay. We won't have one. But if God's been laying it on people's heart to, to serve, to build, and, and you haven't obeyed, my encouragement to you is, is, man, build. Be a part of the work because it's a glorious work. And, but when you build, make sure you build in the right place. No other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So when you build and when you work, you don't build on Paul. You don't build on Peter. You don't build on Apollos. You don't build on any man. When you're building, you're building on Jesus. And what that means is you're, you're, you're working to please him. You're going to do it his way. You're going to do it according to his word. You're going to do it according to his will. For less as a Christian, life can be summarized by simply saying, follow Jesus. And as you're working and as you're serving, as you're building and laying on the foundation of Jesus Christ, then what you want to do as you're serving him, you're like, Lord, I love the people and I pray they get blessed and saved and a lot of great things happen in their life. But Lord, they have a free will. They might not choose to obey you. I'm doing this for you, Lord. I am doing this for you, Christ, because you were nailed to a cross for me. You came down and died. And when you're living your life, you do the best you can to stay focused. It changes everything. And not only that, you know, it's not sloppy agape. It's not like, okay, well, I'll do Christian ministry and I'll kind of give him the leftovers if it's convenient. Absolutely not, because you're serving Jesus. And so because of the fact that you're serving Jesus, you do ministry carefully and you do ministry with quality. You know, he says, take heed how you build. And so, you know, we're not going to use wood, hay, or stubble because when that gets put into the fire, it's going to burn. We're going to use gold and silver and precious stones. We're going to do this spiritually. We're going to do this biblically. We're going to do this wholeheartedly. We're going to do this to the best of my ability. We're going to do this, and we're going to see later in 1 Corinthians 4, moreover, it is required of stewards that one be found faithful. We're just going to be faithful. You know, I don't know. I might not be famous or whatever. I might not look successful in the world's eyes. That's okay. You just got to be faithful. 
And then there in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, he says, not only do you do the right thing, but you do the right thing for the right reason. And there might be that pastor down the street and he's got a church and it's only 20 people and someone says, well, he's not going to get that big of a reward because it's not a big church. Listen, if that's what God's called him to do and all he's doing is being faithful to the Lord, you're going to be surprised because one day he's going to receive a great reward. But then you got the other guy over there. He's got 100,000 people in the church, but he's doing it for the money. He's doing it for the position. He's doing it for the fame. He's doing it for the wrong reason. 1 Corinthians 4 says all of our motives will be judged when when our works are put in the fire. And so one day we're all going to be there at the at, before the Lord. It's called the, the Bema Seat. Jesus calls it the Bema Seat because he, one day he looked at it and he said, that Bema Seat, that's what they said, right? No, I'm just joking. It is his seat though, okay? It, it, listen, it, it is his seat. One day you and I will stand before Jesus. Okay, we're already saved by the blood. Don't misunderstand this. You're saved by your faith in Christ, right? So we don't have to stand before the great white throne described in Revelation 20, but we will have to stand before him and give an account of the service rendered. And when it all goes into the fire, it'll be scrutinized with the eyes of Jesus' omniscience. Some people, and I want to encourage you guys, and I understand we get tired and we get whatever you know, distracted or sidetracked, but they don't want to come and serve. And it's like, you know, getting to come and they're dragging. I kind of don't want to be there. You know what that means? You're not serving Jesus. What a blessing it is to serve the Lord in any way. And you do it for the right reason. Man, God's going to reward you one day. It's not based on your position. It's not based on how many not based on numbers the big body you know budget or building it's not, it's not how it's based on it's based on faithfulness and we find right here paul here he's sharing this and and he's just telling us you got to build carefully you have to build with quality you know we're going to get into the bema seat but just in case you want to look it up in first corinthians chapter 4 and verse 5 also second corinthians 5 9 through 10 and then Romans 14, 10 through 12. One day, and here's the bottom line, you will be rewarded with everlasting responsibilities. Think about that. Your whole eternity, your responsibilities in the millennial kingdom and heaven, whatever it is that God will assign to you forever, will be based on your stewardship today. And so a lot of times, well, I've, one time a person said, I don't do it for the rewards. That's cool. Yeah, of course not. But Jesus often spoke of this. And in Second John chapter 1, verse 8, he says, look to yourselves that you receive a full reward. Because when you're rewarded and one day we're there and we see it happen, God will get the glory. And that's how it works. And so what we find, Paul here, he gives them a heavy warning because of what was going on in the church. And so these guys were debating and they were divisive. And Paul gives a heavy warning. He says, uh, listen, if anyone defiles the temple of God, if you come in and you create division and you destroy this church, then God will destroy you. The context there, when it talks about you being the temple of God, he's talking about the congregation. He's talking about locally. Later on, he's going to talk about personally. But the context here is that in this congregation, 
The Spirit of God lives. Be careful that you don't mess it up. And so we move now, uh, after we look at Christian carnality, Christian ministry, we close with Christian uh, reality, where Paul says in verse 18, let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool, that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God, for it is written, he catches the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. Now, we've talked a little bit about this already in Corinthians, but I think it's important to remember that there is a wisdom of the world and there is a wisdom of God. There is a wisdom that it, it might sound good. Sometimes it's real, real easy to identify as full-on carnal and anti-biblical. But other times you're thinking, well, that might you know, be true. And you start looking at the corporate ladders and the structures of organizations you know, and that kind of can creep into the church and that guy's the boss and he tells everyone else what to do. And, and what he's saying right here is be careful with it. That's not how it works. He says in verse 21, as he concludes, therefore let no one boast in men because at the end of the day, all things are yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours and you are Christ, and Christ, the Son, belongs to the Father. And it's so cool when you, when you see the reality of how it all works. You know, it's not like um, you belong to the boss. In the Christian life, it's almost like the, the boss or the whatever, the leader belongs to you. Jesus said it's completely different. In the world that lords, they like to lord it over people. But when you become a Christian leader then what ends up happening is you become a servant. You know, you can ask guys and the pastors here, there's no day off. There's no day off. You know, you got a Monday and supposedly it's your day off. Four counseling calls, four hours. Another one that's two and a half hours. Friday, you can talk to my wife. You can talk to Henry and all the guys here that serve. There, I've seen them. I've seen them with my own eyes. There's no day off. It's not like you become a leader and now you got this, everyone's serving you. It doesn't work that way. Now, in one sense, we belong to you. And not just that one or that one, all of them. That's the way it works in the church. And we're rich, you know, and we're one. And there's this reality and there's this unity. And in one sense, we all belong to each other and, and what he's trying to say here is correct the mentality that oftentimes creeps into the church and it becomes very very worldly you know what we find is that the corinthian believers they were glorifying human teachers and in the process they were stunting their growth and they were robbing god of the glory and so my encouragement to you is uh is ask the Lord, you know, and, and be honest, you guys. Um, remember when the Lord asked Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? It wasn't because the Lord didn't know. It's because the Lord wanted him to think about it. Well, let me ask you, because I have to ask myself this question all the time. Where are you? Where are you in the Lord? Are you, are you walking in the Spirit? Are you? Because the Bible says if we walk in the Spirit, we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Or are you walking in the flesh? If you're walking in the flesh, my encouragement to you today is to grow up. 
Let go of the envy, the strife, the debates, the division, whatever it is, because I know the Holy Spirit, he's telling you what to do. And as you, as you let go of those sins and you repent, then what's going to happen is that you're going to start being able to handle solid food and you're going to start handling meat and you're going to start reading your Bible and you're going to start receiving teachings and you will grow to be a strong man of God, strong woman of God. There will be a maturity in your life that you've never experienced. This is not something that's only for the elite. This is for every single Christian. And so I encourage you today um, to have that heart, to, to grow up and then, and, then, and then to build up the church and all along the lines you're, you're looking up to the Lord. I was going to do a little rapping. Uh, have you guys ever heard of that guy, NF? He's a rapper and he's got a song about when I grow up. So let me share it with you real quick. No, I'm just joking. I won't. When I grow up. <laughs> And uh, it's kind of cool. He's all, when I grow up, you know what I want to be. I won't finish it. But I'm just saying that that's, it's, it's kind of like that. Even me, I'm, I'm like, Lord, I still have some growing to do. Huh? When I grow up, you know what I want to be? 